0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to Jesus Christ. We continue today our study of the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. What a wonderful and glorious exercise this is to learn each lesson more about her life and the role she plays in our salvation. So last week, we concluded with a little section about her, her um. First couple of years of her life and her first birthday. And we concluded with the very beautiful uh, quote from Anna that the psalmist, one of the one of the uh, hymn, hymnographers, put into the words, put into the mouth of Anna. We find so often in the hymnography of the church, the hymnographer is prophetically speaking what the hymnographer feels that the person involved in this story would be saying. We see this in the dialogue between Mary and Gabriel and when we celebrate the Feast of the Annunciation. Very beautiful hymns of, of Mary speaking to Gabriel and Gabriel speaking back to her. And this, this spiritual poetry is is a great treasure of theology and piety and uh, just ways of thinking and feeling that we can adopt in our own lives. So we see that after after the birthday party for Mary, Anna takes her back to her room, her bedchamber, and nurses her. And then she sang this beautiful song, and at the end of it she says, Who will tell the sons of Reuben that Anna gives suck? Hear ye, O twelve tribes of Israel, Anna gives suck. It's a beautiful image of Anna, this old lady, nursing this little baby. After 50 years of barrenness. And she is glorying in God, giving thanks to God that she's able to nurse just a beautiful picture of piety, of, the, of God's goodness, of fulfilling his promises, and glorifying motherhood. You know, in our culture, a great injustice has been done to women. Especially beginning in the, like the 1960s, you know, the sexual revolution, the women's lib, feminism, all that in the, in the name of trying to uh, give equality to women, the most precious and wonderful parts of being a woman have been under attack. And one of these has been this issue of breastfeeding. You know, we, we went through this period as a country where the medical, the medical profession was practically encouraging woman, women not to breastfeed. You know, and formula was developed... And alternatives were made. And then, of course, women were encouraged to go to the workplace. And, like, breastfeeding was like a menial task or a, or a, or a ball and chain for a woman that, that tied her down, kept her from meeting her, uh, her goals and fulfilling her, her role in, in society and all that. And that's such a tragedy. Tragedy. that 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 was imposed upon women who naturally would have not embraced that. And so many women gave up that special treasure of their femininity, their womanhood, uh, because of the, the deception of the society, actually. And both the women and their children suffered because of it. Now, in our present age, you will find that most doctors and most health agencies, and like the WIC pro- program, Women, Infants, and Children program, are encouraging women to breastfeed, expressing the, the health benefits and, and all of the advantages and encouraging young, young mothers, especially those in, from low-income low families, to breastfeed. Why is this? Is it because morally they've changed their minds and they've regretted the mistake they made? No, it's science. The science has, has caught up with them. And they know from studies and after study after study that children are healthier, women are healthier, families are healthier if a woman breastfeeds. So thanks be to God for science. Because if you really do believe in science and and follow the science, it will always lead you back to God. The science will always lead us to the truth. And when we find the truth, we'll always find God. As Orthodox Christians, we are not afraid of science. Whether it's the subject of evolution, whether it's the subject of uh, the roles of men and women, any issue you can think of, if you follow the science, and it is true science, it'll lead you to the truth, and the truth leads you to God. So I just wanted to make a little aside as we, as we talk about the first couple of years of Mary's life, to talk about this aspect of, of her childhood. <clears throat> she was bathed in holiness her whole life, even within the womb, even within the womb, Mary was raised in an environment of holiness by godly, pious parents. Even within the womb, she was probably exposed to the chanting of the Psalms, the keeping of the evening prayers, the morning prayers, the the uh, services in the temple, and then in her infancy, she was surrounded by good companions, virgin other virgin uh, young women who cared for her and helped helped Anna to care for her. And then she was nursed, and she was taken to the breast by Anna. And we find at the end of <clears throat> this section about her, her first birthday that Anna is rejoicing that she is nursing Mary. And she is proclaiming to the 12 tribes of Israel, Anna is nursing Mary. Anna gives suck. So then we come to a couple of images that the author of this book gives us before departing this section upon, about the infancy of Mary. Two of those two images are, one of the images is Jacob's ladder. Many objects have been regarded as types of the Virgin and have been depicted in the iconography of Orthodox churches. Analogies and interpretations of this kind abound also in the liturgy, hymnography, and homilies of the church. Within the literary authority of the church, iconography developed a typology of the Virgin. In other words, pictures that pre- prefigured or shadowed, pre-shadowed Mary. One such type is described in Jacob's vision, which is read in a service of great vespers of three of the Virgin's feasts. You know how in great vespers, after the Procumenon, there's usually three readings which the reader chants from the back of the church. Three of Mary's feasts include the account of Jacob, Jacob's vision of the ladder that reached into heaven, upon which angels ascended and ascended, and above the Lord stood. St. Photius writes that Mary, the ladder leading up to heaven, is being built And earthly nature leaping over her proper boundaries comes to dwell in the heavenly tabernacles. So the ladder is being built within the womb of Anna. And earthly nature leaping over her proper boundaries, in other words, Anna being able to give birth beyond the years of childbearing, that is going beyond earthly boundaries, leaping over her proper boundaries, comes to dwell in the heavenly tabernacle. She is given birth, she is born, and then she eventually will end up in the temple. <clears throat> now, St. Photius goes on in the homily on the, the feast of the, uh, this is again, explains that after God had bestowed on man the enjoyment and mastery over everything in the garden, it was meet for him who was entrusted with so great authority to be disciplined and trained with some command. However, however, after transgressing this command, the Creator did not overlook His creatures, though they had plunged themselves into such great error. It was needful, therefore, that one person of the Trinity become a man, to make it manifest that the recreation, too, like the creation, was its own work. Incarnation entailed a pregnancy and a mother. So it was needful that a mother should be prepared down below for the Creator, for the recreation of shattered humanity. She was to be a virgin, just as the first man had been formed of virgin earth. So the recreation, too, should be carried out through a virgin womb, and that no transitory pleasure, even lawful, should be as much as imagined in the Creator's birth. For the Lord suffered to be born for the deliverance of him who was a captive of pleasure. Who then was worthy? Clearly it was she who this day strangely issued... We're talking about the feast of the nativity of, of Mary right now. Clearly it was she who this day strangely issued from Joachim and Anna the barren root. It was needful, yea, needful that she who from the very cradle had by a superior reason preserved her body pure, her soul pure, her thoughts pure, should be marked out to be the Creator's mother. It was needful that she who had been brought to the temple as an infant, who had trodden the untrodden places, should appear as a living temple for Him who gave her life. It was needful that she who had been born in a wondrous manner, from a sterile womb, And had removed her parents' reproach, should also make good the failure of her forefathers. For she, the descendant, was able to repair the ancestral defeat who brought forth the Savior of our race by a husbandless birth and molded his body. And here St. Photius is referring to, in Genesis, where it says that, where God's speaking to Satan and saying, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It was through Mary that this, this one seed came who would be Jesus Christ. St. <coughs> Photius also comments that the Lord's throne, Mary, is being prepared on earth. Earthly things are sanctified. The heavenly hosts are mingled with us. And the wicked one who first deceived us and was the contriver of the plot against us has his power crushed as his wiles and devices wrought away. Thus we chant with St. John of Damascus. <clears throat> the holy parents of the Mother of God received from heaven a gift worthy of God, a throne higher than the very cherubim, she who in childbirth would bear the word and the creator. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. Rejoice, most holy Virgin Mary, ever merciful Theotokos.